I mean, I only have three things to talk about. Beats my one. One's like a deep dive. That's uh, the one we'll do. One one is a deep dive, and the other two are, hey, the queen died and the Emmys happened. Okay, so you stole two of mine. You said you had one. I lie to you every day. My real name is Gerard Butler. Oh, Olympus has fallen. Medieval myths surrounding salamanders being resistant to fire were due to salamanders' habit of hibernating in logs. Putting another log in the fire equals salamanders scurrying from the fire, leading people to believe they were, quote, born of fire. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name still believes salamanders are fireproof, John. And together we're Henry and still believes salamanders are fireproof John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist and a world that doesn't know it's dead. That is uh, grim, but accurate. You know, I guess I never uh, put two and two together that salamanders tend to be fire-based enemies in video games. Yes, that comes from medieval myths that they are linked to fire inherently. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, you can all, you can see in like Welsh and uh, some some English shields that have like salamanders on them. They're always spouting a little flame out. Now, did they think they could breathe fire? Listen, I want to get straight to the punchline. Are salamanders dragons? Yes, a little bit. Okay, because uh, this House of the Dragon show would be a lot more entertaining. If they just had little tiny salamanders hanging around, they're like, ah, oh, that's Vargoth. Man. King of the dragons. Sh- are you watching this show? I'm not watching it yet. Are you watching this show? Oh, dude, I'm watching all of them. I'm watching, I'm watching House of the Dragon. I'm watching Rings of Power. I'm watching Junior Bake Off. We just started She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Is that is that relevant? Eh, sure. Is that current? All, all, all shows are equally relevant. Listen, I have really strong five I have very strong feelings about Rings of Power and House of Dragon. And that's I don't think either show is as bad as people say they are, but they're also not as good as some people say they are. Oh, they're right in the middle, right in that sweet spot. I think, here's my elevator pitch for House of the Dragon, which I think is the name of that show. It It is. is, 
You know the first three seasons of Game of Thrones were, like, really, really good? Yeah. And then, like, the latter half of four going into five, it was still, like, pretty good, but they were going off script a little bit. So Yeah. That is House of the Dragon quality. is like, better than okay. typical television. Uh, and a lot of it is, like, literally taken from Fire and Blood or whatever that spinoff book George R.R. R. Martin wrote. Yeah. Yeah. The and, fake history book of Westeros. Yeah, yeah. And I got a really... I have a very strong feeling about Rings of Power. And it's because everyone's mad that they're black hobbits. I can't st- I can't stand it. You can't stand that there's black hobbits? No, I can't stand that people care. There's a Okay, so if we are talking about things that are happening right now, there's some things that I've been ignoring. This and the little mermaid trailer from this past weekend are, are one of the things I've been ignoring. Uh, b- people who are mad that fantasy characters are black. Yeah, honestly, here's my genuine feeling about Rings of Power. So they're not hobbits, they're Harfoots, right? Right, because this is before they were hobbits. You know how Harfoots are described? As dark-skinned. <laughs> so, there you go. They should have all been black <laughs> in my book. Right. Yeah. That would have been cool. I'd I'd love a an entirely black race of hobbit-ish creatures called Harfoots. That would be really cool. Uh but n- people are mad about that. They're mad about black elves. They're mad about the little mermaid and they're like the little mermaid's <laughs> from Europe. I'm like she's from the ocean. Yeah. She's she's from a nondescript ocean. It's all very silly. Also, Mermaids don't exist, so they can be any color you yeah. want. It's this one happens to be black. I, you have I, a problem I, with that? Maybe that means you have a bias that you need to examine. Yeah, it's uh, it's real. Uh, it's people have been doing this for a long time, and I think it started, unfortunately, with gamers. But it's people trying to like gatekeep. Or I suppose protect the the like racial purity of fantastical concepts, right? And it is the most asinine thing I could possibly imagine. Yeah, we're getting echoes of the fact that there were no um, dark skinned there were no dark skinned characters in The Witcher Three, and uh, the large defense of that was like, oh, it's set in you know medieval Poland. There were no dark skinned people around. And from there, we've just spilled into like, oh, all fantasy is set in all white places. And it's like, no, in The Witcher 3, you have like a sort of defensible position you can take that doesn't spill over to every fantasy story that ever exists. exists. Yeah, I mean. And even in The Witcher 3, there were Moors, there were traitors, there were some of the richest empires in history come from Africa. You're telling me they never traveled? I think it's the same argument that I have against people who want... There there are people out there who seem to believe that like the actions of characters in fiction now should be representations of, or are representations, of the author's worldview, and that characters can't make decisions that aren't 
Essentially what I'm saying is that authors can kind of do whatever they want. If you're an author and you want to set something like The Witcher 3 in medieval Poland, and you also make the specific choice to be true, I guess, to a historical precedent of represented races, sure, that is absolutely what you can do as an author. As an author, you can also set something in medieval Poland and make everyone Chinese, because who cares? You can do whatever you want. Right, exactly. I mean, that, that's the thing. And like, uh, I see like a in defense or against, I don't know, in complaint of, of the Black Little Mermaid. People are like, well, why, why don't black people just make their own stories instead of stealing ours? And it's like, it's not yours. You don't own anything. You own nothing. The author, whoever creates it, I guess technically owns it a little bit, but like nothing is owned by anyone. I, I just think it's... V- very funny to imagine some people out there seeing the Little Mermaid uh, being portrayed as a different race and being like, our culture, my dude. If the Little Mermaid is your culture, your culture is a sad and young one. Like, yeah. well, why Why is that a cultural artifact that you find it so necessary to defend, if not for the fact that it gives you a plausible opportunity to be racist. Exactly. I mean, all of this, like, oh, they're taking our stories. It's just like, do you want to really trace the root of these fairy tales? I was like, people are, oh, the Brothers Grimm wrote them. The Brothers Grimm stole them. Yes. It was their oral traditions passed down from people. They just happened to write it down. I guess Little Mermaid is like Hans Christian Andersen. That's not his name. I mean, Henry, at the end of the day, it's the responsibility of the author to present fact. (laughs) That's all an author is supposed to do. They're supposed to somehow reach back into history, find what the uh, total factual story of a mermaid from the sea is, uh, and then recreate it uh, detail for detail. And there is no room for uh, creative liberties or artistic interpretation or artistic license whatsoever. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's to me. It's just funny because like they did um, an Annie, uh, you know, a little orphan Annie. They did a rendition of that a couple of years ago with a black Annie, and then like Jamie Fox as Daddy Warbucks. I might be getting some of my my facts confused, um, but like there was where was the outcry then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe it's nowhere because no one cared. It's, maybe it's it's specifically that it's Disney, or maybe it's specifically that it's. I don't know, like a Disney character that sad men were attracted to in their youth. I don't know. Oh, she's like 16, guys. I mean, you remember Lola Bunny. You remember the outcry about Lola Bunny? Well, she's a bunny. <laughs> yes, you're right. Uh, sorry. It, I, okay, so I was putting it in the context of... So Yeah, so I was putting Lola Bunny in the context of the conversation we were having. I'm like, she's a bunny. Does she have race? <laughs> That's... <laughs> But you're saying they made her less sexy and people were mad at it. Yeah. I I think that this is, we don't like change of beloved thing, change is bad. Uh, And that was tied in with weird, uh, like, psychosexual feelings. And this is just tied in with uh, weird race hate. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone just needs to shut up. Agreed. 
Just shut up. Let let creatives create. It's like, oh, Ariel's black this time. That's interesting. Does it change the story? Oh, it didn't change the story. I guess the race of the character really didn't matter after all. Okay. <laughs> so this is something, it's an opinion I have that I don't know how strongly I hold it or if it's defensible. But I feel like maybe the world was a little bit more of a tolerable place when uh, not everyone had a voice. No, I, I mean, honestly, yeah. Like when you're... When your weird uncle at Thanksgiving can only voice his weird opinions at Thanksgiving instead of stewing on his little weather message boards where apparent, like for some reason, even though it's a weather message board, everyone's super politically right-leaning and it just becomes an echo chamber. Yeah. I, I know that the proliferation of platforms has been an objectively good thing for giving voice to underrepresented people. But I also think that there should have been a way to keep the bad people from using it too. Yeah. Like some type of, uh, this is really terrible, but some type of like empathy test that yes. <laughs> you have to be this empathetic to be able to search AOL online. You see a tortoise on its back. <laughs> Uh, You're not helping it. Why? <laughs> yeah, a uh, a Voight Conf test for your ability to post on the internet is is my oh, personal no. vote. Yeah, no, that would that would be pretty good. I would say I sure. I would have failed this test in the past, but I'd pass now. See, that's the thing. Like, I would have failed back in the days of my lurking on certain message boards and. This, the, the weird angst, anti-authoritarian angst you get as a teen, but then you grow up and you learn that, hey, everyone around you is a person. They have their own lives, their thoughts, their feelings. Maybe we should just treat everyone the way I would want to be treated, which is to be left alone for the most part. So I'll leave them alone, let them live their own lives and enjoy the things they enjoy. And I'll enjoy the things I enjoy. And then boom, now I can search AOL online. <laughs> Listen, I I just truly think the older I get, I love the human race, but I think that particularly in our culture, more people don't grow up than we both yeah. realize. Well, I, yeah, there's like a, a common thought on the internet that's like, hey, you know, think about like, you know, 75% is, is like average. And so like, and then most of the people you know fall below that. It's like, it's hard to wrap your mind around, I guess, but it, it's like for in all regards, not just like intelligence, but emotional intelligence and maturity and decision making, like all of these factors, there's a bell curve and a lot of people fall below that bell curve. And if you're, they're not in your life, you don't think about them, but then they're online yelling at you for liking the new little mermaid. Or liking Bullet Train, even though Bullet Train's a great movie. Listen, you're right. I, uh, I I still need to see Bullet Train. I know this is pretty far afield of what we're talking about, but it looks fun. I like Brad Pitt. I like the yeah. guy who made John Wick. It's a very fun movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we we saw Three Thousand Years of Longing this past weekend because we got the. <laughs> Oh man! Did you see that movie? Yeah, 
This is good, right? So bizarre. Probably gotta be one of the weirdest not in terms of its content. I mean, its content is like, you know, strange, but digestible. Uh, but it is a very bizarre movie to watch because it is, of course, a George Miller film, director yeah. of Mad Max and all the There's other no Mad penguins Maxes. in it. No penguins, no happy feet. Or um, happy feet too. And it is the most strangely paced film with the weirdest sensibilities and i i haven't read anything about the movie but it feels like it maybe started shooting pre-covid and then covid yes. made things very strange so you got yes. a, a very weird uneven movie full of interesting ideas and some of the most beautiful visuals you've ever seen but it's just so loping and weird it's such a weird movie because, like, 80% of it happens in a hotel room between two actors, which is like, man, when's the last time you've seen something like that on the big screen? And then the last 20% is like, oh, I guess I guess they didn't, they didn't know where to go after the hotel. Yeah. Anyway, um, and the I brought it up. The are so weird. Everyone out there, you owe it to yourself. I'm a, listen. Not B-movies, but not quite A-movies are having a resurgence. Go see The Invitation. Go see 3,000 Years of Longing. See movies that aren't perfect, but make you feel something. Yeah. Um, But there's a great... I bring it up because there's a great scene toward the end of the film where the protagonist runs into her neighbors. Mm -hmm. And her neighbors, they start off seeming like sweet old ladies, but then they go on... This, this rant about foreigners and immigrants and how things used to be. And I bring this up because I have been so entrenched in American culture that for a second, I forgot the UK is going through very similar things that we're going through. And that there's this weird contingency of people who are like, let's bring, make things back the way they used to be. And that means kicking out all of the people who look different from me. Yes. It's, it's like a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just America who's racist. Britain Britain is racist as fuck. Yeah. I mean, Britain has been racist as fuck a few times. Uh, but yes, I it is the emerging uh, ethno-nationalist right wing is a serious problem in m- most... <laughs> Like super high GDP countries, which is concerning. Yeah. It's very concerning because I don't know if these people realize, but uh, white people or, or, or like whatever nationality is the main nationality, like the time of ethnocentric states is over. Yeah. That I, is the past. I, it, it'll never happen again. You could always look at it from the standpoint of like, oh, it's a group mentality thing. If. I mean, uh, white people, and this is generalizing, but in the United States at least, uh, have a really unpleasant and unfortunate persecution complex that has been bred into them through a propaganda campaign that has lasted uh, 50 years, almost 50 years at this point. Uh, And, you know, when someone comes along and gives a bunch of monkeys the opportunity to steal the fruit, then all the all the white people or monkeys in this analogy will like 
rise up and maybe say things they don't truly believe, but it's just for the ability, for the chance to finally be ascendant again. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, descendants of a fallen empire who are still acting as though the empire exists. It's like, no, we've moved on. We've modernized. Our empire is now a sleek new liberal democracy republic thing. Uh, we've got we've got bigger fish to fry. The planet is dying. Please stop trying to make your thing the big thing when we got to like address this climate change thing before we literally have no more things. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. But hey, at least we traded a um, uh, uh, an aristocracy and a monarchy for an oligopoly. Yeah, yeah, a fucking. The rich get richer and the poor people have less but are expected to work more. Fuck that. I mean, I'm just waiting for it to trickle down. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer. I just got my mouth open waiting for those trickles. Oh, gross. I don't like it Help me, Reagan. No, he's dead, isn't he? Yeah, thank God. Okay. No, not thank God. You know who else is dead, John? Oh, no. Margaret Thatcher? For years. Oh, thank goodness. For years. I, many a night, many a night I lay awake in a paralyzing fear that the Iron Lady will enter my bedchamber and take away my social services. Didn't didn't fucking Meryl Streep play her in a movie and like, what a weird choice that was because she's so reviled. I mean, Meryl Streep's got range. Did she know she was playing the bad guy in that movie? <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I, I I know nothing of the Iron Lady. One would hope so. I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. All Maybe right. Meryl yeah. Streep just loves austerity. Richness? Is that what austerity means? Austerity is the uh, the gutting of social services. Oh, why does that have a name? <laughs> uh... I because you know I don't really know what the history of the word austerity means in I feel a political like a, context. I feel like we should have a, like a name for giving people social services instead of taking them away. Uh, basic human dig- decency. I mean, you said it, and I know it, but that doesn't mean there's a word for it. I I think austerity, since austerity means like sternness and firmness, just means. As a as a political marketing tool, austerity is we got to be stern with these mentally ill people and these criminals. Yeah, we're gonna put the homeless in their place, which is on the street. <laughs> we gotta put the homeless in their place, which is in the fucking ground. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot, honestly, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because clearly, their place isn't being homeless, and you no. don't believe their yeah. place is in a home. So. Right. uh what do you think's gonna happen? You gotta split the difference between no home and, and home, which is dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, oh, man. That's like, uh, yeah. And more social services can never be a bad thing. I'm sorry. I can never be convinced that more help for people who need it is bad. Uh, but no. But John, guess what? Uh, what? The queen died. Oh, sad. Well, oh, the queen. I have conflicting, conflicting feelings. The queen died, John. You know, you know, you know what the most important takeaway 
between two Americans on a podcast, an American-based podcast should be? Uh-huh. We shouldn't have even mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really affect us. We fought two wars to not care and won them. Yeah, we uh, we really didn't want to care. Yeah, we, we fought multiple wars. People died, so we didn't have to care about the queen. So why is it all over my news feed? I wonder if any of those log-splitting psychopaths who founded this country, if you transported them forward in time and, you know, just shy of 300 years, 250 years, uh, and you showed them people uh, crying over the death of the queen and watching various royal weddings, I wonder how they'd feel. Probably a little mad. They'd probably because, like, split your skull with their hands. Yeah, they would, they'd be like, Harold died for this? <laughs> Pretty much. Harold, my love of my life, who I wrote all of these romantic letters letters to, even though I was married to Margatha. Uh-huh. He died for you to weep over the queen? And then, yeah, takes a toothpick out of their wooden teeth and sharpens it into a blade and stabs you. Yeah, I uh, I love the rich interior world of this guy. Um, I just assume they were all, they all had, like, you know, deep... Deep homoerotic bonds with like another guy, mm-hmm. yet they were married to Philosophine and had five kids. Yeah, I think that was pretty much everyone back then, especially people who uh, founded our country. Yeah, we were founded by a bunch of polyamorous bisexuals who were deist. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. I'd live with them in a punk house. I'd drink a beer with them, huh? Yeah, I'd drink a beer with those psychos, but the queen is dead. Um, it's I, Here's what's tough about the queen. Okay, tell me. So people have obviously... She has those corgis. <laughs> is had, that it? Had. Oh, fuck. No, she took them with her. She <laughs> oh, took no, them like her. a pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, they were buried with her. Oh, no. All right. I don't mean to interrupt. I do. Um, why are there five little caskets? <laughs> <laughs> are those bread boxes? Oh, no. Th- those are five little caskets. <laughs> why, why are they leashed to, the, to her casket? <laughs> oh, no. Very grim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um what was I going to say? Oh, uh, conflicting feelings, obviously, about the queen, because the queen, like, for the most part, kind of stood by while some pretty terrible atrocities were committed, uh, basically over the entire world. Um, but I mean, it's the queen. How much say had Queen Elizabeth in pretty much anything that happened politically? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, she had a storied career, if you want to call it that. She reigned for 70 years, and, you know, some of those years were colonization and depriving people of rights and uh, autocracy. No, autonomy. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Negating the right for them to rule themselves. Uh, And then, uh, you know, the crown reveals that, oh, her life was a little tough. But also she had every need she ever wanted taken care of. Never had to pay room or board or for anything ever. Uh, so it's, it is kind of conflicting, I guess, a little bit. I mean, at least she went and talked at that town where those Welsh children were crushed. Super, super 
super generous of her. Very, um, very generous to eventually go and talk to those people whose children were crushed by the giant pile of rocks. Also, I mean, weird subjugation, and then I guess eventual granting of independence of the Irish. I mean, I don't know enough to comment on the history. I just know the, hi- the Irish don't, they don't care for the queen at all. I mean, uh, you know, it's my, my family is Irish does not really care for them. Yeah. Which, uh, is understandable. Right. I, uh, I, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you saw that, uh, I suppose simile or analogy that someone posted where it's like being in America when the queen dies, it's like watching everyone mourn when the world's oldest clown died and all the clowns get together to bury them. You know, it's a spectacle. Uh, if you're Irish, a clown killed your grandfather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, that makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I, I had the pleasure of viewing for, uh, I guess the first time in a long time, the fact that the internet is a worldwide phenomenon and not a localized one. So, a bunch of people are like, oh, no, the queen died. Oh, let's period of royal mourning. You know, raise one up for the queen. Oh, gal, you, you'll never see the sun again. Or I don't know how the British mourn. <laughs> that, is a, that is a very uh, glib epithet, uh, epitaph to say, oh, you'll never see the sun again. <laughs> well, stiff upper lip. They just state facts. I really don't know much about the British. And then, of course, the rest of the world <laughs> who you know, have been colonized and subjugated under the, the crown for various years. We're all like, huh. Well, maybe this is a time for y'all to like reform the monarchy and like lift up your boot heel a little bit, you know, just a little bit. And everyone's like, you want to politicize the death of the queen? <laughs> How dare you? It's like, we've been politicized our entire life because of the queen. So... <laughs> We kind of only exist because of the monarchy. Right. Like, maybe it's time to change things. I don't know. Australia could not be under the rule. Who knows? I mean, I just think I'm an American. I can say this. And you can cancel me all you want, woke woke crown lovers. Uh, Monarchies are silly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean... In a day and age where, where, like, nepotism is so, oh, you can just, it's so bad. It's so bad, guys. Nepotism's bad. Um, by the way, the uh, the figurehead of our country is a man who hasn't had a job in 73 years. I just feel like what, uh, what nepotism, what we should do in America is that we should do what like the Greeks would do sometimes in that we have political leaders and they are typically uh, followed in succession by their heirs, but their heirs were almost always people they adopted and then trained to be their heirs who were not of their family. So then you get real weird with it. Yeah. Only orphans can hold office. (laughs) We live in the orphan kingdom. Welcome to the Orphology. <laughs> Directed by George Miller. 
But um, bump, but um, um, I liked the Roman thing where just randomly a citizen of the Republic of the Empire would have to hold office. <laughs> like, <laughs> just this lottery system. Okay, you're in charge now. What could we be doing better? I, I feel like, like at least on the local level, like forget electing mayors. Just pick like a teacher. And be like, okay, how would you change things in the city? I mean, it'd be really interesting because I think for the most part, maybe nine times out of ten, you'd get like people who are surprisingly considerate and holistically thinking and intelligent and would really try to make the communities better. And then every one in ten, you'd get a guy who'd be like, we need to give Lola Bunny back her big natural. And that's like his one thing. That's his, that's his whole platform. And once... Yeah, so you you get one item, you get one. You are a one ticket politician, one ticket, one issue politician. You get that one issue. As soon as it's solved, you're out of there. Yeah, I mean, just imagine it's four years, and at the end, everyone takes a vote, and if everyone, if a majority of people vote thumbs down, you just get like kicked into the ocean. No, you just go back to your life. Oh yeah, that's good too. Unless your one thing is like hugely problematic yeah well that's the thing is like you gotta be on your best behavior so 70 percent of the people don't vote for you to be kicked into the ocean right and and not for years i I, this has got to be like a monthly thing like did you because as soon as they solve their thing they got to be out of there like you know no coasting no lame ducks oh man that'd be uh fascinating i'd get in there i'd be like i want to make uh healthcare free for everybody how will you do it all money away from the military. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're there until it gets solved. Like, it's like, oh, this is my one issue. Unless you address it, I'm here. I'm going to be in power. I'm going to come to all your meetings. I got nothing else to do. I got this one issue. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm i paid a living wage, I have to assume. Legally, I can't work. So I'm going to go around this place busting heads until you let me not be president anymore. Yeah, it's like, oh, what about national security? It's like, we got a whole department of national security. I'm, sh- I'm sure they can run themselves. I'm here for health care. Yeah. And I'm not leaving until I get it. <laughs> and I don't want to be president, so I'm going to show up at your house at 3 a.m. every day, and I'm going to break your windows with a hammer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and people won't stop this. me because I'm the goddamn president. <laughs> I'm the goddamn president, yeah. Yeah, vigilante presidential <laughs> uh, carrying outing. I don't know words anymore. <laughs> Mitch McConnell shows up to the Senate floor covered in hammer wounds. <laughs> Can't talk uh, about it. No, no, no. He just he shows up and he, he's been like, you know, f- feathers glued to his face while he was sleeping. And he's like, Mr. President, can we please? Okay, fine. <laughs> Everyone, can we just do the free healthcare thing? I need to get some sleep. <laughs> can we just do the the free healthcare thing? He's he's threatened to burn down three people's houses, and he won't tell me who it is. <laughs> the Joker president, <laughs> yeah the uh, the civic minded Joker brained president. He's kidnapped all of our youngest male sons or acquaintances, (laughs) and he's locked them up in a theme park. (laughs) 
He's teaching them that it's okay to accept people who are different. We have to stop him. <laughs> we have to pass the healthcare thing. Maybe the next person won't will want to get rid of healthcare. I don't know. Look, I'm just a country turtle bitten by a radioactive man. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's what he is, though. I'm surprised it's not the other way around. <laughs> No, that's that's the sad part. He was given all the powers of like, you know, a balding man from Virginia or something. Yeah, the uh, balding man. <laughs> it's <laughs> the balding man from Virginia bit the turtle, and the turtle's like, ah, what the heck? And then like steps on the balding <laughs> man from Virginia like it's a pest. Uh, basically, just Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh boy. Well, the queen's dead. The queen has died. And you know what's fascinating to me? Mm. Um, the queen lived for 70 years, so her son is like 70 years old or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Wait, hold on. I think, you might, I think you might need to check those figures again. I need to rephrase one word. The queen... The queen... <laughs> the queen... <laughs> no, I need to check one word. The queen reigned for 70 yes. years, so her son is like 70 years old. And uh, the funny thing about the monarchy power of succession, the transfer, is it's immediate. I so, I did not realize that until you brought it up in the group chat, and I'm stunned. It's immediate. So even even if, just hypothetically, if we kind of know that the person who's going to get the power is kind of a shithead, they just get it immediately, and there's nothing that can be done. I, uh, listen, it's a lot of power to walk around that big house where no one's happy. <laughs> a very fun moment happened on the first, like, day of his reign. Uh, what's his name? Charles? Okay. Yeah, so King Charles and the Queen Consort Olivia or something. Camilla. Uh, Camilla. Yeah, the Queen Consort Camilla. Like, he gave a speech... And then, like, he, you know, he went to the crowd and he shook hands with the people. And then it was time to return to Buckingham Palace. And he he, he and the Queen cons- Consort go to a door and it doesn't open. Amazing. And then they go to the next door and it doesn't open. And then they go to the next <laughs> door and it doesn't. They don't know which door opens. That uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah pretty great and like all the while i can just imagine like the queen staff just watching like yeah you think you're so great (laughs) you're you're gonna need us we know what door opens you idiot (laughs) yeah whereas you know the the queen wouldn't need to know what door opens yeah they should have it opened for her yeah i uh you know, that kind of blows my mind, because, like, a place that's big, like Buckingham Palace, you'd assume they have people who lock and unlock every door. You would think. It seems weirdly I've... cheap to keep doors locked. What? Whoa, 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 hold on. You can't have the doors unlocked. Anyone could just walk in. Well, yeah, that's why you have uh, armed, well, not armed, because it's the I... UK. You have security who have, like, whistles and stuff. No, man, the, uh, what are those red troops called? Oh, I, Buckingham Palace Guards, Palace Guards. They are absolutely armed. Yeah, with, like, muskets. Okay, a close range, (laughs) a musket can fuck you up. You're right, they stand in a big line, and then they, uh, they shoot (laughs) you dead. 
They got bayonets on the end of them, and that's going to hurt. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what? They'll stab you, and you'll be like, oh, no. And you look, and you see the, the hat lifts up, and you see that he's smiling. And you're like, no, they can only smile when they kill. <laughs> this is the only thing that brings me pleasure. <laughs> I've been trained that the only thing that brings me any moat of joy is snuffing out the life of a traitor. You shall never see the sun again. <laughs> there are only two th- <laughs> There are only two things that bring me joy, snuffing out the life of a traitor to the monarchy and when people tickle my earlobes and go bb 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 um yeah no that that rules <laughs> oh so the queen's dead queen is dead uh long live the king which you know maybe 20 years these people seem to live a long time i don't know i don't know Funny tidbit about the queen dying. Um, so an, uh, there was a Nintendo Direct today. That's one of their little presentations where they show off upcoming games. Uh-huh. And uh, in light of the queen's passing, Nintendo UK decided not to air the, the Direct on their channel. I mean, it's an internet phenomenon, so you could just click on the Japanese or the English one and you'll be fine. Uh, but... In that presentation, they announced the title of the the next Legend of Zelda game, the uh, sequel to Breath of the Wild. Uh-huh. Uh, the title of that game is Tears or Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. And, and uh, I don't know. I guess there's some tears in the kingdom right now in the UK. <laughs> Is that um is that also the is that also the Nintendo Direct where uh, Miyamoto talks about the black and tans, the uh, police force that would uh, that w- that would indiscriminately kill people in Ireland? Uh, so it was a really weird moment. Miyamoto came on the screen. He talked about Pikmin, and he was like, "Much like Pikmin, the Black and Tans also marched in formation and killed without regard." <laughs> in formation under their leader Olimar the Spaceman. Olimar <laughs> <laughs> the Spaceman, you could command your Pikmin army, much like the Black and Tans invaded Ireland. This is crass. This is terrible content. <laughs> It's okay. I'm Irish, kind of. Okay, um, I, I have an Irishman's permission. Please <laughs> don't come for me, a Scot. Oh, that was actually the sub, the working subtitle for Breath of the Wild 2 was the Irishman's permission. <laughs> uh, it seemed yeah, very so tears, strange. Tears or tears of the kingdom, because the title was not said aloud. Um, and... Both of those words are spelled the same. I mean, uh, the Gorons are the Irish of the Zelda universe. The Irish like rocks and live in You gotta look slightly outside of the text in that (laughs) they have big ungainly bodies with long, strong arms and short, weak legs and big bellies. Duh! Itch, itchy clothing. Itchy clothing. They li- they're all going bald, and they like to eat rocks, aka potatoes. 
and they live right. under a volcano. That's right. <laughs> the un the 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 unstable violent monarchy. Ah, yes. Right. Alright, the Gorons are the the Irish of the Legend of Zelda. Hopefully there's some Gorons in the tears or tears of the kingdom. And they grow plants that are bombs. Mm. There's a big one. There's a big one that lives in a mountain that gives you a sword. Irishman? Yeah, and Goron. Oh. There are mountains in Ireland? Uh, you know, hills. Hills? Okay. But there's a pretty big guy who will give you a sword. Is is the drinking phenomenon known as the Irish car bomb, is that offensive or celebrated? You know, I, I really don't know. Okay. I, uh... I mean, probably offensive to um, the British people who were killed by uh, IRA car bombs and cafe bombs. So there's an Irish car bomb as a drink. There's no, like, Japanese suicide bomber drink. Yeah. I I think those two would be, I guess, pretty on par with each other. Yeah, maybe the Irish are okay with the Irish car bomb. Maybe? Does that mean the British aren't? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to drink them anymore regardless, so... I don't even, it's just, it's a shot in a beer, right, or something like that? Yeah, it's a shot of uh, Bailey's in a Guinness. Wait, no, it's a Jameson in a Guinness? Hold on. Oh, Guinness is already good enough. You don't need the... I uh, I used to have Irish car bomb drinking contests when I... Had a terrible life. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it is. uh, Oh, yes. It's a half ounce of whiskey poured on top of a half ounce of Bailey's dropped into a Guinness. So you you try to drink it before the Bailey's curdles. Sounds awful. I don't want to experience that. And then if you drink seven or eight of them... Uh, when you have a bad life, you go home and uh, everything in your body is now out of your body. Yeah, sounds about right. Queen's dead. So the queen died. <laughs> I feel like we both wordlessly settled on the idea that we weren't going to talk about the queen dying. And we've talked about it for 40 minutes. I had a two hour conversation with my parents on Sunday and at the very end, I was like, oh, yeah, so the queen died. And we talked for like another hour. <laughs> I just, I never thought there was so much to talk about with the queen dying. I didn't think there was anything other than all the things I've said. And that might be it, because I can't think of anything else. Long live whatever. I don't Rest care. in peace, Winston Churchill. Kings Unless you dumb. were bad. He was good during the war. He was bad after the war. Yes. Listen, kings are bad, except the kings of Leon <laughs> and uh, King Charles Spaniels. Is that a dog? Breed of dog. Okay. Not the name of a single dog. <laughs> All right. It's a breed of dog. Yeah. King Charles Spaniel. Not to be confused now with King Charles III, I say the dog was called King Charles I. Make it king. Exactly. 
There have probably been previous King Charles's, right? He's the third. Yeah, but he's the third Charles. He's the third person named Charles in the UK. What? You mean other, you mean in a different country? No, like King Charles the first. Yeah. Charles the first. Wow, 1625, execute 1649, executed. Yeah. Wow. I think Charles II was also executed. Oh, Charles II was uh, was an interesting one, if I recall. I, listen, I don't know history. I thought he was executed. Maybe he was his dad. I don't know. Forget I it. I studied cares? political science, which is only uh, the political science of the last 60 years. <laughs> 1066 is the Norman invasion, and that's all I remember of British history. Well, Charles I was 570 years after that. Well, then I don't know about it, do I? Uh, That's true. You want to move on? In 1528, I think the English Navy beat the Spanish Armada. I don't know. Yeah. I know in 2008, President Barack Obama (laughs) was elected president. Oh, okay. That has nothing. Let's move on. <laughs> I know that Ronald Reagan Shut up. <laughs> introduced crack. Okay, moving on. Oh, he did though into low-income neighborhoods. CIA okay. baby. I don't. I don't know if that's a Reagan deal as much as it is a CIA deal. But he was president at the time. Let's see. Ya. Let's move on. So, uh, you know how this is something I've been keeping my uh my finger on the pulse of is of course the uh, elizabeth holmes trial and i i won't uh the outcome of the elizabeth holmes trial i won't bore anyone with the details because it's dire news for my fellow holmesiacs uh it, it seems like our girl might be uh might be spending some time in the old clink uh it's it's a real shame because henry and i both big fans of elizabeth holmes Founder of Theranos. I, I, I know who she is. I'm a fan? Yeah, we're both big fans. Uh, you know, this is the number one Holmeshead podcast. Uh, okay. So it's, it's a real shame uh, what's yeah, happening. Yeah, a big L. We're yeah. a big L fans. Yeah, EH is taking the big L on this one. We've got to keep yeah. prayers up while she's in you the know, pen. Thoughts and prayers. Maybe she can... You know, talk her way into like the you know the strong gang of the of the prison. I mean, honestly, if I know anything about Elizabeth Holmes, she's going to be running that prison in three months. Oh yeah, on promises that she cannot keep. But and, hopefully, and they then never the catch prison on. will follow will file for Chapter Seven bankruptcy. And oh, that's how she gets out. She <laughs> she, she bankrupts <laughs> the prison and does the bad kind of bankruptcy where they have to liquidate their assets. And guess what? She's an asset, so she goes to the highest bidder. Guess who the highest bidder is? SoftBank. Satoshi's got another one. Incubator. Rental properties. Web three. She's back on top. Satoshi is probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> wait hold on who's the ceo of softbank who was i thinking of oh oh sorry i thought you were thinking of the the biggest crypto wallet oh over. the uh the the bitcoin creator right 
I thought you were talking about that, Satoshi. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I... Masayoshi-san is... Masayoshi-san. Uh, I was thinking of the Bitcoin guy. Yeah. Uh, I got the you... names confused. Change of post. A lot of similar syllables there. Uh, but yes, gets uh, gets another one. She's back on top. I actually have a a different tale to spin you from the world of corporate malfeasance. Wait, you just brought up Elizabeth Holmes as a as a segue. <laughs> I brought up Elizabeth Holmes exactly to wet the whistle of the audience. Now you and I remember. Wait, hold on, hold on. I gotta stop. I, I need the fans to know. Uh, that I hosted like a little birthday gathering for myself at a at a at a brewery local to Austin, and uh, this man John rolls in to this to this little event wearing an Elizabeth Holmes Theranos shirt. That was the talk of the party. It was the talk of the party for maximum one, maybe two hours. He made a statement. Is all I'm saying. So when when John says he is a, an EA head, a Holmesiac. He means it. I'm just saying that you need to wear your allegiances on your sleeve if you want to change anything about this world. Be the change. Or your chest. You want to see in the world. Uh, you got to rep your set in the streets, as Elizabeth Holmes would say. Right. Uh, so I made sure to have my EH swag on. And uh, you know what? If people talked about it, they talked about it. They, you, they talked about it to your face. You knew. Yeah, they talked about it to me. And you know what? That's, you know, if I can convert more people to uh, to homescapalianism, then, you know, I'm just doing my work. Is all you're I'm just doing. Do- yeah, you're doing. And I own doing, that. Y- you should. All right. I'm, you can continue. I just needed them to know. Uh, so what what I would like to bring up is uh, when you and I talked about Elizabeth Holmes and the ultimate ruling in her trial, you and I landed largely on the same page in that we both don't think it's really defrauding anyone to make a promise if you truly believe it. It does maybe become fraud when you have data related to your promise and you lie about it. Okay. Uh, So in some ways, the Elizabeth Holmes thing is in a, a gray area where I think her character is still endearing because it seems as though there was pressure to lie about one thing from a few different directions. And, Specifically, that was lying about data, which is the most boring thing. You should lie about it. Whatever. Data's boring. Who cares? Who wants to look at a spreadsheet? From a marketing or sales standpoint, the data is the most boring part of the pitch. Yeah, so who can blame you for lying a little? And that's where all the fraud comes in. Uh, But I would like to introduce you to the other side of that coin. And actually a very similar... Uh, situation that happened on a similar time scale. Uh, Henry, have you ever heard of Nikola Motors? No, but is it like Nikola Tesla? It is. It was an electric, an EV electric vehicle startup that I believe formed in somewhere between 2013 to 2016. I don't have that exact fact in front of me, but it was really when Tesla was starting 
to take off. And their big promise was that they were going to create hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, not just EV vehicles, but hydrogen fuel cell semi-trucks. And essentially turn the uh, very environmentally expensive logistics industry into one that produces only water was their big pitch. And they were also going uh, big into like pretty revolutionary battery technology, etc. So it was all kind of too good to be true. Right. Obviously. Well, I mean, so hydrogen cars were a thing in the past, so the concept was proven. You just got to upscale it to trucks. It doesn't seem so hard. And as a quick aside, hydrogen fuel cell, it's actually a really interesting uh, like energy paradigm for moving vehicles because ostensibly all it creates is water. I, I don't totally remember how hydrogen fuel cell batteries work, but like... You have hydrogen on one side, and then uh, hydrogen atoms move through a medium that charges a battery. I I don't totally remember. Uh, But essentially, the byproduct is solely water. The issue is that to make hydrogen is expensive, and from what I remember, it's maybe a 30 to 50% effective process from turning pure energy, uh, in most cases electricity, into hydrogen. So it's less efficient currently than an electric vehicle. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But can potentially produce more power. That's why hydrogen fuel cells were like all the rage for 2008 to 2012. Uh, but now e- EVs are kind of the future. But when Tesla was especially ascendant during that time, Nikola Motors was founded and gained huge partnerships across the auto industry and, uh, I, I think, a lot of battery manufacturing companies. Duralast. Uh, I don't know if it was Duralast. I think it's GM, <laughs> actually. Oh, okay. Sorry. I just uh, named the one battery I knew. But, uh, f- flash forward to today... Uh, the fraud trial of Trevor Milton, the former CEO and founder of electric truck company Nikola Motors, oh, no. uh, actually began yesterday with voir dire, a.k.a. jury selection. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. That's, wow. That, that was a bit of a jump. I thought, I thought we were going to get a wholesome tale about a company that, against all odds, persevered. But you're telling me... You're telling me fraud <laughs> fraud <laughs> happened again? So, so the trial began yesterday. Uh, Milton, who of course pleaded not guilty, stands accused of lying about his company's progress in developing electric vehicles, leading to huge losses for investors, uh, which is uh, very funny. So I guess my question is, how did Nikola Motors, which I believe in the past was a $33 billion company and is now just a little over $2 billion market valuation, publicly traded. Uh, How did this, in the span of 2020, when they they IPO'd via a special acquisition company, to now, what happened? And I have an answer. Oh, good. If you were asking me, I would have been completely lost. Uh, so I'd like to read quickly for Nikola Motors, if people aren't aware, uh, I would like to read the summary 
of a uh, study, uh, not necessarily a study, research, a research paper from uh, Hindenburg Research. I don't actually, these people are clearly like activist investors. Uh, I don't know what their goal is. So if these people are bad, I'm not endorsing anything else. I'm just reading the summary of their research into a publicly traded company. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it does. You're not endorsing what they say. You don't know what they stand for. But what was the name of these people? (laughs) Oh, Hindenburg Research. And they did a study on the hydrogen cars? Yeah, they did a, uh, a, yes, exactly. Hmm. (laughs) What? (laughs) So, um... Is that just a coincidence, or do they only <laughs> do they only research hydrogen-based projects? It's it's possible. Like I said, these people are are clearly like an activist investor think tank. So maybe they're uh, hydrogen focused for the purposes of uh, irony. <laughs> but uh, so really, the the way that you can take the Cliff's Notes version, virgin, the Cliff's Notes version. <laughs> I don't want the Cliff's Notes version <laughs> of this research. Uh, is essentially Nicola intricate fraud built on dozens of lies. Uh, okay, and I I want to let you know I'm just reading the summary to give you an idea generally of what uh, Nicola has been up to in the past two years. Uh, so today we reveal why we believe Nicola is an intricate fraud built on dozens of lives over, over the course of its founder and executive chairman, Trevor Milton's career. We have gathered extensive evidence, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see. Parlayed false statements. Let's see. So in October of 2019, this was right before they IPO'd, Nickel announced it would revolutionize the battery industry. This was to be done through a pending acquisition, but the deal fell through when Nikola realized A, the technology was vaporware, and B, the president of the battery company had been indicted months earlier over allegations that he conned NASA by using his NASA-sponsored expense account to procure numerous prostitutes. Whoa. Bad luck, Nicola. You know, you don't know who you're getting into business with. <laughs> oh, or who you're getting into bed with. Yes. You, you really don't know. But, you know, just because some uh, sex worker obsessed president of a battery company did business with you, that doesn't mean that uh, your product is necessarily less than worthy. Uh, Nicola walked back claims relating to its battery technology. Instead, Trevor continued to publicly hype the technology, even after becoming aware of the above issues. The revolutionary battery technology never existed, uh, and Nicola eventually used GM's battery technology instead. Oh, no, Nicola. In addition to now using GM's battery technology, Nicola seeks to use the automaker's production and fuel cell capabilities. Nicola seems to bring nothing to the partnership but concept designs, their brand name, and up to $700 million they will be paying GM for costs related to production. Uh, and this is one of the, the key issues with Nikola. Inexpensive hydrogen is fundamental to the success of Nikola's business model. Trevor has claimed in a presentation to hundreds of people and in multiple interviews to have succeeded at cutting the cost of hydrogen by 81% compared to peers and to already be producing hydrogen. 
Nikola has not produced hydrogen at this price or at any price and has admitted so to the media since. I mean, that's that's where you go wrong. Yes, that is uh, the first instance of uh, flat-out lying. Trevor has right. appointed his brother Travis as director of hydrogen production and infrastructure to oversee this critical part of the business. Travis's prior experience appears to have largely consisted of pouring concrete driveways and doing subcontractor work in Hawaii. Sigh. <laughs> like I just breathed in so deep because, like, oh my god. Talk this... about nepotism. And Trevor and Travis? Like, you did them no favors, parents. Uh, in a July 2020 podcast, Trevor said of Nicola's Trey truck, which is the first three letters of his name, uh, <laughs> quote, we have five of them coming off the assembly line right now in Ulm, Germany. A spokesperson for Bosch in Ulm, the manufacturing partner of the trucks, confirmed this month that he has not spoken to Trevor in months and has seen no trucks. Amazing. Amazing. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's salesman as CEO. Like, that's where you go wrong because you can talk the big game, but if you can't back it up, it doesn't matter how big the talk is. Now, of course, I would like to end on my uh, favorite. There are hundreds of bullet points in this summary uh, detailing how this public company is defrauding its investors, allegedly. Uh, but this is perhaps my favorite. Uh, in this research, we reveal how. In the face of growing skepticism over the functionality of its truck, Nikola staged a video called Nikola One in Motion, which showed the eponymous semi-truck cruising on a road at a high rate of speed. Our investigation of the site and text messages from a former employee reveal that the video was in fact an elaborate ruse. Nicola had the truck towed to the top of a hill on a remote stretch of road and simply filmed the truck. As it rolled downhill. <laughs> Amazing. That is... I mean, there's no way to split the hairs. That That's fraud. This is... I bring this case to the Zero Credits fam slash jury. We would never voir dire you. Uh, as an example of why the Elizabeth Holmes thing is fine, actually. It's lying about some data. Maybe people got incorrect test results. Maybe some people died. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but <if, laughs> Hand-waved actual death, okay. I'm just saying, I don't... I'm hand-waving. I don't know if they died. Do I not care if they died? If I find out, yes, I care. Uh, but if we're talking about fraud, this is fraud, allegedly. <laughs> like this is this is insane right. so to, to recap the elizabeth holmes case they had a process of of getting blood tests quickly but she lied about how quickly and 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 the accuracy of the data right well it was basically they lied about their ability to test blood and then when they were given actual blood to test they sent it to existing blood testing facilities uh, so they essentially acted as middlemen uh, and then lied about it later. Okay. Okay. So the blood was tested. Maybe they got, some people got some wrong results, 
But it at the end of the day, it was tested using existing paradigms. Which, if that blood was tested anyway, it would be tested on the same paradigms. Exactly. Meanwhile, Nicola just lied straight out about technology, the process, the product, and the service. Like from top to bottom, he, he was was defrauding everything. It appears as though there were even instances where this uh, semi-truck, semi-truck uh, would start on stage at uh, trade shows, and it was just fitted with a nat- a silent natural gas motor to make it turn on. Amazing. Uh, which, all of this shouldn't come as a surprise, much as Theranos really shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone, because uh, people who are, you know... Experts in the field have said that hydrogen fuel cells are extremely difficult to produce at scale. Hydrogen is very, very expensive and inefficient, and it's highly unlikely that what they're doing is genuine. Experts were saying the same thing about Theranos. And you know what? People still continue to pump billions of dollars into both companies. We've seen it time and time again just in the past couple of years. Uh, People don't listen to experts on anything. (laughs) Honestly, I think I'm I'm pretty bearish on the idea of becoming an expert. It doesn't really seem to benefit you in any way. Absolutely. You become an expert only if you want to become inaudible to anyone who it matters if they listen to you. It's like the opening of a disaster movie where the scientist finds the readings that show something big and bad is happening. And they try to warn the president and the president waves them off until it's too late. It's like life imitates art. So if you become an expert, you will automatically be ignored. I'm just saying, if you're deep into your postdoc work right now, and you want to be an expert because you think people will listen to you, maybe rethink that. If it's your passion and you think you could change the world in a way that doesn't require people listening to you, by all means, go for it. But I became like a soft expert in one and a half things in my entire life, and no one cared. Well, yeah, it's because, I mean, I don't want to listen about pogs, dude. Okay, I spent a lot of time in that Coursera course on Pogs. <laughs> it was really expensive. I, I get it, but I, I get that it's also a game or whatever, but I don't want to learn how to play the game. Okay, do you at least want my Taz the Tasmanian Devil Slammer? <laughs> no, I don't want any of the, the, the paraphernalia that comes with it. It's $200. Wait, you spent $200 or you're trying to like upsell me? No, I'm selling this at a loss. You give me $200, I'm walking out negative $500. Oh my god, dude. No. I told you, I'm an expert on pogs. I get it, I just don't care. Do you want a Homer Simpson slammer? No, I don't want any type of slammer. Okay, well I'm 100% an expert on pogs i'm a 50 percent expert on garbage pail kids oh those little trading cards do you want gross george no sorry i'm only into pokemon cards these days booger belinda is it does it what type of pokemon is it uh poison no i don't i don't do poison types oh what do you do um only fighting 
Okay, I have um, fighting Frederick. I'll I'll take five. Okay, awesome. Five hundred dollars, please. Uh, that's I'm gonna ignore you and give you five dollars. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. You're an expert, so I can do that. <laughs> fighting Frederick is the Charizard of Garbage Pail Kids. I who cares? <laughs> No, I mean, just time and time again, climate change, pan- change, pandemic. If you're an expert, you're going to get ignored, and then someone's going to be on the hook for fraud. I just want you to know that I stopped trying to be an expert, and now I'm actively trying to be a crackpot. I think that's really the lucrative path forward for most people. Well, yeah, because then they'll have to listen to you, because you'll have a bomb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everybody listens to the disheveled man with a bomb. Yeah, just move, yeah, muss your clothes a little bit and then have like a bomb and then suddenly you are being listened to. Yeah, if you have a lab coat and you're like, oh, we really need to stop polluting. Who cares? Must clothes, wild hair and a bomb and you're talking about frogs being gay? Tell me more. Exact. Oh, my God. We just cracked the fucking code. I mean, I I do truly think in some ways Alan Watts cracked the code back in the 60s and 70s because he, <laughs> he he attributed the the rise in uh like fanaticism over gurus who espouse uh an extreme lifestyle or extreme political beliefs in that uh, no one thinks living a good life is listening to a person who tells you something that's easy to do, like be mindful and care about your family. But if there's someone who's like, you need to eat raw liver, work out twice a day and mistrust the government, that's hard to do. So we assume that one's the right one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Enlightenment can't be as easy as just doing what I'm currently doing. I had to do something extreme. <laughs> Enlightenment and contentment can't be the things I already know I need because time and time again, I prove that I'm too cowardly or lazy to do them. But if someone tells me that I need to put sunlight on my nuts and do semen oh retention and do Brazilian jujitsu seven times a week. Clearly they know what they're talking about. Cause I hadn't considered those things. I'm an right. intellectual coward. You gotta sun your holes, brother <laughs> sun your holes and do MMA and eat elk. That's the way to be enlightened. Don't nurture your current friendships and relationships and commit to things. And help people who are less fortunate than you. That's not happiness. No, thanks, Andrew Tate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hate women. <laughs> Is that what he sounds like? That's my uh, that's my Andrew Tate impression. Oh man, I feel like we need to spend some more time with this character. Oh, Andrew Tate, or the I hate them with the women. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to be seen with this character. I don't know what if I want to spend time with this guy. Uh. Uh-uh. Hey, Andrew Tate. What do you think of the Queen dying? Oh, the women. Oh, I hate them. Oh, I hate the women. Wow. Not a cool I don't, guy. Mm, he didn't even try to be clever with it. He just. He just said the same phrase over and over again while staring past us. It's like the it's like that's the only sentence he felt relatively comfortable saying in a British accent. He's British? I thought he was Australian. <laughs> oh, I forget. 
<laughs> okay, because I I thought he sounded vaguely like Australian. Oh, I hate the women and the kangaroos. <laughs> Andrew, are you, are you okay? Oh my gosh, did he just equate women to kangaroos? <laughs> Wait, did he say he hates women because they're like kangaroos? Or well, he, he hates said women and, and kangaroos. <laughs> well, they're on the same level of hate, I must presume. <laughs> yeah, m- maybe for different reasons. Who knows? <sighs> I. It's because they both have pouches. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I don't... Uh, so the queen died. Yeah, the queen died. Rest in peace. Much like this podcast is dying. <laughs> Rest in peace, the Queen. Rest in peace, Andrew Taint. Rest in peace, <laughs> Nikola Tesla. Andrew Taint? <laughs> Rest in peace, A Taint. Oh, A Taint, friend of the podcast. <laughs> Come on the podcast. No, he's banned. Sorry. Oh, yeah. If we have him on, we would also be banned. Hey, real talk, though? Yeah. We would just need one. We would just need one weird iconoclastic moron on this podcast, and we would we would be so famous. I mean, remember that one guy who contacted us who wanted to be on our podcast? <laughs> I mean, we get contacted by iconoclast by uh, wannabe iconoclastic dummies about wh- twice a year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was that. There was that one person who was like posing as their assistant. It was like, oh, that was so. Yeah, so and such and such is in such high demand, but they would love to be on your podcast. <laughs> I was like, this is obviously you typing that for yourself. Yeah, this is obviously a mass email sent to the top five hundred podcasts in adult humor or whatever. Yeah, I never thought part of having a podcast would be contacted, would be putting up. With being contacted by every entrepreneurial person who had ever seen the word podcast before. Yeah, it's uh, it's really unfortunate because a lot of it is just... Um, it's real goblin level shit. It's real yeah. desperate people trying to make desperate gains. It doesn't feel good. No, it really doesn't. They're all like, oh, pay us and you'll get a billion listeners. And it's like, I'd rather do that organically even if it was a billion. Even if it doesn't work. And you know what a great way... To do that is... Oh, John, it sounds like you have a great idea. To have organic user engagement via various social media channels. Go on. Such as... uh, If you want to get in touch with us, Twitter is a dying platform. It is full of far-right robots and far-left sex bots. But if you are one of the few humans left alive Terminator style, you can reach us, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore. Uh, maybe I'll come back, do like a day where I take over the zero credits uh, Twitter and just retweet uh, thirst traps uh, and rhythm game content. That might be a thing that I do. But if you're on Twitter, you can reach out to us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. That stands for Henry. Actual cost per click definition. Your actual cost per click is the final amount you're charged for a click. You're often charged less, sometimes much less than your maximum cost per click. 
bid, which is the most you'll typically be charged for a click. That's right. Uh, the series of sentences you just read made me want to dispose of my own body. If you want to send us an email, you can do so to email at zerocredits.net. Still a website, still an email address. And if you do a little bit of digging, we have some secret email addresses in there too. Maybe if you send us an email, we'll uh, introduce you to a secret society, the likes of which you've never imagined nor would want to join. If you're listening to this as a podcast, congratulations. We are on a number of podcast services, uh, including Good Pods, Podchaser, Spotify, home of conan o'brien and (laughs) of course apple Podcasts, the one that is the least relevant but i mentioned last with an air of gravitas if you leave us a rating or a review on any of these services that allow it that's a great way for people to learn about the podcast but The best way for people to learn about the podcast is for you to use your unearned platform, as we discussed earlier. That's right. We wish people couldn't talk on the internet. But since you can, find all your little goblins, worms, and grubs and tell them about the podcast. Writhe in the grubs. Dance in the grubs. Be subsumed by the grubs. Because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And from everyone here at the Grubby Zero Credits Grub Studios, we want to wish you a grappy week. <laughs> grubby and grappy. Do you think people said grubby hands because grubs are greedy? Maybe. Goodbye. Bye. So the queen's dead. The queen died, shot, I mean, dead in Houston. Yeah, in November of 1963. <laughs> 1963. The queen shot dead in Houston, November 1963. <laughs> History doesn't doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. <laughs> Jesus.